Thank you so much for joining this, Lynn. I really appreciate your time. Hope all is well in Barcelona. Um, would love for you to maybe give your uh, introduction here. I know you're doing some really cool work and uh, you know, looking forward to diving into your story. Well, first of all, Hamilton, thank you so much for having me today. Um, this is very exciting for me to share a little bit about my story. Um, so my name is Lynn Yap. I, am, um, I, I, I was born and grew up in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. But I have lived in many different places, many different countries. I um, was a, a corporate lawyer, and then I went into investment banking. So I have a fairly traditional business background. I also graduated with an MBA at Wharton. Um, and thereafter, I also worked in innovation and brand strategy at Adidas. And more recently, I've tried more entrepreneurial ventures, um, trying to develop my own social impact uh, business. And uh, with this year, uh, with everyone being in isolation and more or less working from home, I took the opportunity to write this book, The Altruistic Capitalist. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, so we'll take it from, uh, maybe we, we pick up from Wharton. What were some of the things that you were into while you were studying there? Were you, did you think you were going to be a lawyer forever? Did you have an entrepreneurial um, thought at any point? What was like the atmosphere uh, in, in the class? A few things there to unpack, but uh, what, what was like your kind of mindset, I guess, at that time? Sure, of course. Um, so I was a corporate lawyer way before Wharton, and then I actually switched into investment banking. Uh, when I was a lawyer, I saw, um, you know, I was very much involved in a lot of uh, transactions, and, and I was very curious about in the investment banking side, actually structuring the transactions. So I actually switched into investment banking uh, before, before business school. And then at business school, well, I, I really wanted to basically broaden my, my aspects and to also get a more formal uh, business education, if you like. I had done, I had learned finance and accounting um, uh, and, and, and the structuring transactions on the job in investment banking, but went back to school, I guess, to get a more formal education. But I got so much more when I was at Wharton. I really gained a really great network, group, group of friends, and learned so much from the different experiences, um, definitely in leadership and management as well. So uh, I, I have to say that was a, a, not just what you learn in the classroom in theory, but also working with each other. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And so transitioning from kind of investment banking to business school, um, what was like the, like, was the class going to get jobs after Wharton? Were they going back into um, investment banking or going back to consulting or going back to maybe they're, maybe they're switching into corporate, um, working at a, like a, like an operating company or, or were, or were there classmates that were like, Hey, I'm starting something like maybe talk about like the, uh, the split, if you will. Yeah, of course. Um, so I uh, started at Wharton at a time that was fairly difficult, was at the last crisis in 2008. Uh, and so at that point, um, the world was looking very uncertain as well. Um, people from the year before had their offers retracted um, and we were actually quite unsure. The number of offers in my year for investment banking and consulting uh, fell from previous years. Um, and we saw a few people who actually started their own um, businesses, such as Warby Parker. 
and Alberts. Both are uh, actually my classmates from from the same year. Um, yeah, so the split I wouldn't I wouldn't say is probably um, thirty percent uh, banking, thirty percent consulting, and, and possibly I I, can't, I I don't have the statistics really in terms of entrepreneurial ventures after school. While I was at Wharton, I was actually looking into um, doing some VC work, and I did spend a summer, the summer in between my first and second year, doing VC work. Um, in the end, though, I it was in biotech ventures. And at the end of the summer, I wasn't so in love with, with the role. I thought it would be one thing. And then having spent the summer, it turned out to be something else. Uh, and so at that time, um, when I went back into my second year, there was the opportunity then to go into tech banking. Uh, at that point in time, um, the market was starting to pick up again. Um, and, and so I went into um, uh, into equity capital markets um, and work on IPOs such as Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, so right around that time. Oh, wow. So <clears throat> that's such a small world or coincidence that, you know, you would be a classmate of kind of like the Warby Harry's team and all that. And then, you know, working in banking at the time of like Facebook IPO and like that's that's uh, that's great. So you you were in tech banking um what's something you took away from working on an ipo what are like i mean one two three bullet points that uh summarize the experience and maybe like something that was like an aha moment for you maybe well my investment banking experience i have to say um uh, gave me a lot of understanding of as to how to operate a company um and i wanted to say this also influenced my thinking um, up to right now that you need to think about it strategically and in the long term. Um, another thing that came out of it was um, team is very important, the people that you work with, because so much can go wrong if you, for instance, don't have um, diversity in your team and you're all thinking from the same, um, thinking from the same perspectives, you might not have the right skill set so enough diversity in order to solve problems. So I want to say those are a few things that are top of my mind uh, that come to mind at the moment in terms of my time um, working on those IPOs. Yeah, that's great. And so where did you go next? What, what was the next step in your uh, journey? I actually went into um, Estee Lauder uh, e-commerce. Uh, and there I was very much looking at what were some of the innovations and the projects that could really engage uh, the consumer uh, for, for luxury makeup, luxury makeup and beauty. Um, yeah, that's that's where I went afterwards. And what was something that was like, what was part of the experience? What, what type of research or work did you like do while you were there? Uh, a lot of it was really making it um, like how much, how could we engage the consumer um, with uh, how to make maximum impact with a consumer without having to without having to invest too much. So also learning to be more agile, uh, which I think has I, I have brought with me um, afterwards in terms of innovation. Do a little test, make sure that it works before you invest a lot of money going forward. Um, and so I was doing a lot of a lot of like analyzing the different projects, understanding what the returns are on the different innovations um, to, 
yeah, to see what will work best, what resonated best with the consumer for the different brands online. Yep. And so after that, what was like the, what made you end up leaving there, I guess? <laughs> Sorry, say that again, please. What made you end up leaving there? What made you uh, decide you were going on to the next step? I have always been someone that's quite curious and driven by challenges. So I got to a point in time where, to be honest, I was a little tired of, of New York. I'd been in New York for years and years, um, and it was time for my next adventure. Um, and so that then saw me moving to Adidas um, to work on innovation and, and brand partnerships. Um, that role was very super interesting. I got to work with organizations such as Carbon that's based out of California, as well as Parley for the Oceans based out of New York. Uh, and what it is, is um, how can we build, what type of relationships and partnerships that the brand can build, again, to drive more impact and drive more engagement with the consumer. And, and so, especially when um, in the world that we live today, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of what we are concerned with is the environment and um, as well as sustainability, right? And, and so what we were looking at is how could we structure those relationships and what are the partnerships that make the most impact for the consumer? What's like the culture like at Adidas? Is it fast paced? Is it, can you just go off and do any project that you want and just come back and report? Or like, what's like the, how's the structure, I guess? The structure when I was at Adidas and the culture, I would say very um, collegiate, everyone's fairly collaborative. Secondly, it's very entrepreneurial culture. So uh, people do to a certain extent go off and um, do their own projects. And, and so we would have, um, you know, different ideas that come about and we will get together uh, and, and then hash it out. So there was fairly open conversation, uh, fairly open discussions uh, and people were fairly, and, and the culture there was very innovative. I, I really enjoyed the time there because I learned so much. Um, I was also at the intersection of basically the designers and the engineers, so very technical folks in there in, in both in both aspects. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. And how would how how to translate the science uh, from the engineers as well as the more creative side from the designers um, into, into the customer at the end of the day. And how did you become an entrepreneur? <laughs> and that's uh, another point. I, I started getting really interested and passionate about social impact um, uh, when I was at Adidas. Um, there was a talk uh, that I, I worked on when I first started there, and it was basically what is, what is it that we can do uh, to create more positive impact as businesses? Uh, and that stayed with me for a little bit. Um, and I got to a time when, again, I, I started getting itchy feet and started wanting to do something a little bit different. Um, how else could I stretch myself? And that's how I kind of jump ship and, you know, I'm doing my own entrepreneurial um, thing um, to, to see where that takes me. Awesome. And so at what point did you come up with uh, this book concept and maybe talk about like the you know, beginning parts of that. Of course. Um, so the idea really came up around around spring of this year, more or less when everything, the world started shutting down. Uh, I think this year has been one that it's marked by a lot of loss and a lot of pain and isolation. 
but I also witnessed a lot of um, compassion and people helping each other, neighbors doing shopping for each other, um, companies helping their communities and trying to keep their teams together. Um, and, and so what inspired me basically were two things. One, I wanted to help students. I have a six-year-old niece uh, and now she has, uh, she has a good fortune then when schools shut down that she could study at home. She has the right resources. We could get her a laptop and she has her mom to help her and guide her. Now, not everyone has that same fortune and not everyone is as lucky. Uh, and in fact, one of the schools that I work with on a mentoring program, some of the students there on school lunches and they couldn't continue their education. So this book is a vehicle in which I would raise funds um, to help these students with their supplies, um, get what they need in order to continue the, their education. So that was one. The second thing that really inspired me to write this book is the key shift that we're seeing in the society. Um, whether it's Gen Z and millennials wanting more meaning and purpose at work. There is also, now we are seeing assets under management for ESG funds. Um, that's re reached a trillion now. It's really grown exponentially over the last five years. And then the third thing is basically climate change. We really need to do something about that together collectively, not just, um, not just rely on governments and nonprofits, but businesses as well. We all need to come together in order to make, uh, in order to shift the way we do things because the planet, uh, all our resources, and that includes our people, uh, it's, it, we're a limited resource. So we need to take better care of the planet and each other. And what's your process like for writing a book? I, I know it's, um, you know, it sounds like a lot of, I haven't written a book, so it sounds like a lot of thinking and a lot of, uh, maybe there's research, maybe there's interviews. What's, what's your process like? And I know you're still in process. So like, what have you worked done so far, I guess? Uh, so yeah, the whole world of publication is really a, a new one for me too. I'm a first time author uh, and it's very exciting um, working with this publisher. My publisher is New Degree Press um, and they have uh, supported me with a whole, whole team, whether it's a developmental um, editor, to a revisions editor that I'm working with, there's a whole team that has basically helped me and kept me accountable throughout this process. So it starts out with, um, you know, the development editor, and that involves um, go helping me come up with a certain amount of words and deliverables every week. So that's been for the last six six months, um, and in that six months as well, uh, you know, doing my own research, whether that's digging to data. And more importantly, doing a lot of interviews, talking to people who are talking to leaders, talking to entrepreneurs who are actually creating impact and profit. Uh, I learned so much from this process as well, how to, um, how to reach out to people, how to conduct interviews, how to pull all the insights and find patterns across all these interviews, synthesize them, and then write them out. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I've been doing in the past six months. Another thing I learned from the six months is that you, you don't necessarily have to write from A to Z. You can write it in a modular way. And that's kind of how I was taught to write it by my developmental editor. Um, you know, I might write parts of chapter seven and then parts of chapter two uh, and, and move things around um, as I get closer towards finishing the first draft in order to come up with 
with um, a book, a structure that makes logical sense. So that's the, that's the first part of it. And now I'm halfway through. I'm about four months away from actually publishing. And what happens at this point in time, now that I have my first draft manuscript, is that uh, I, uh, I launched now this crowdsourcing campaign on Indiegogo. Uh, and that is to see whether or not there's interest in the market, in the public space for this book. And so um, the publisher and I sat, to, sat down together and came up with a target. So um, if I hit the target, then we can move forward to publication. And this makes absolute sense, right? You don't want to make a product and spend so much time on a book if no one's going to read it. So I'm very excited to, to, to say um, that I've now reached a target and I'm moving forward to publication. But the second part of this um, process as well, I, I, I didn't know this before um, about working with this publisher that you can basically have a very reader centric um, book uh, writing process. Um, what happens with um, the pre-orders, people who purchase my book during this, during this pre-sales campaign is that I will release excerpts of the book. And so you will get to, to see it when nobody else has and give feedback on it. I've already started to talk to some people who have ordered my book and they're um, you know, giving me ideas, um, more people to talk to, more interviews to have. And it's really very exciting because now I have perspectives that you know, in, in the first six months that I, I didn't quite have. Uh, and that makes the book something that's richer and also something that the reader really wants. So for me, this is probably the more uh, exciting part of the process where I really to get I really get to have conversations because what is uh, the function of the book then is to have um, to have these shifts in mindsets of people that it is possible to be very successful, to be very profitable, as well as create positive impact. Love that. And you mentioned some of the patterns. <clears throat> what are some of the patterns that you've noticed early on different leaders in this space? What are some of the qualities? What are some of the characteristics that you see? Yes, of course. Um, so uh, the book has three characters um, that make up the social impact business mindset. And the three characters are uh, the monk, the five-year-old and the athlete. Now, starting with the monk, um, one of the basic mindsets uh, of the monk is basically someone who knows him or herself very well. Um, and, and really from a lot of the entrepreneurs I spoke to and the leaders I spoke to, you always start from what is the meaning and purpose that you want to create. You have to know yourself and you have to have, a, you have, to have clarity with that. Particularly in difficult times like today, um, like, like we've experienced this year, if you do not know that, um, when it comes to crunch time, when things are difficult and you have to make difficult decisions, if you are not sure of that, uh, decisions become harder. You, you make rash choices that doesn't necessarily align with your entire purpose. But if you're very clear and your whole team is entirely clear on your meaning, then that decision becomes fairly, fairly obvious as to which path is it that you need to take. And then secondly, um, uh, mindset of the five-year-old, and that talks a lot about curiosity. Um, uh, one of the, one, a couple of people that I, I interviewed for it, um, uh, Cedric Bachelary, he's a Mars senior executive, and he's also one of the leads for the Economics of Mutuality Institution. Um, he shared a story of when um, he went on a course, um, and, and it was basically to help a 
group of people who were facing housing challenges. The area was being gentrified and they needed to figure out a way in which to help them. Uh, now, Cedric is a very uh, kind, kind person and a very experienced uh, executive. Um, and it's natural for us who have a lot of experience to just kind of say, oh yeah, and have you thought about this? And what about this? What about this? What about this? Uh, and in the middle of this meeting, one of the one of the members of the group stood up and said, "Excuse me, sir, very politely, um, but you know, don't you think we've thought of this, and don't you think we've, we've tried this already?" And that is something that is uh, I, I've heard. Not it's not it's not um, uh, it is not just in Cedric's case. We all come into situations with our own assumptions. Um, with our own uh, perspectives and the own and, and the story in our minds, right? We don't know what's going on in the other person. So if like a five-year-old, you go with your eyes completely open without any story in your head and you just listen and just be really curious and test all the assumptions, I think it's easier than to start building the right solutions for them uh, instead of jumping right in. At, at times we want to help so much and it's with good intention that we jump in because we want to help so much. But um, it, it, it sometimes helps to take a pause, ask the right questions, um, check out the assumptions, and then start building the solution together. Because oftentimes the best, people to, um, the best people to build the solution is also the person who's going to benefit from it. Yeah. And then third, sorry. No, that makes sense. That's great. No, keep going. So the last one's going to be the athlete. The athlete, yes, the mindset of the athlete. Um, I think that has to do a lot with having courage and grit. Um, if you know yourself, sometimes then what you need is to have a lot of courage and grit to make it. Um, uh, you, you need to have your goals, but you also need to be have, have the team behind you to help you keep accountable to the goals and have the courage to continue with the pace. Uh, I'm going to take a personal example of myself. Um, this year with, with, um, <laughs> with gyms closing and not being able to do sports the way I, I prefer, I, I started running. Um, and, uh, and, and running is, well, you, you have to remember to stretch. You have to remember to um, be kind to yourself. You have to remember to rest. Not all the time will you be able to um, let's say run, run the five miles or run the 10 miles that you want to, you have to be able to pace yourself. And, and a little bit like, um, like that when building a company, you also need to think about, all right, what are the times when I need to take a step back? Um, who can I bring into my team um, in order to help make this objective, the purpose that you identify in the first place, successful? Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so you've got your patterns, uh, you've got your interviews, you've got your, your deal on the table. So um, I guess what's kind of like, what's, what kind of, I guess, inputs do you have? Like, are you a reader? Are you, um, you know, are you doing first, you know, firsthand direct research? Is that the best way that you learn? Um, how are you kind of like, uh, you know, keeping your, keeping your mind sharp? Uh, in general or for the book? Um, maybe both. Um, for the book and then maybe personal. Okay. Um, so for the book, I am doing both primary and secondary research. So not just through interviews. I'm also reading a lot of research that's been done by uh, different professors, reading books that are also on the same topic. 
and in, in order that I can make this a better product, a richer, a richer story. Um, and I think that's that's really the way we need to go anyway. There's no need to be um, protective about uh, uh, about this is my territory or that's your territory, right? I think the way in which we can create multiple that uh, we can multiply value is to work with each other. Um, so that's kind of how I'm doing my research uh, on the book. And on the personal side, I'm generally someone who's very curious and I like to learn from a range of subjects. So I read um, anything from history to science. Uh, I, I really love technology and innovation. Um, I, I also read poetry. I um, have done like a poetry writing workshop this year. So really trying to stretch myself and to do different things. Um, in order that I can come up with different perspective, different ways of thinking, and how can I bring some of that into what I'm doing today? So that's, um, that's on the personal side. What are like maybe top three books that maybe have had the most impact on you? Top three books. Um, or, or research. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a case study you read or something. Uh, specifically for the book um, or in general <laughs> maybe we'll go both again for the book <laughs> and then for, for personal <laughs> yeah okay uh, for uh, for the book um, three books that I like uh, one I want to say is Grow the Pie by Alex Edmonds uh, I think uh, he talks about a win-win mindset and I really believe in that this is um, going to what I said about multiplying the value that we can bring to our community and to the environment um, if, we, if we work together, right? It's not like someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. Um, how is it that we can really grow the pie together? Um, the other one is um, Conscious Capitalism. Uh, that's by John McKay, um, from, who is the Whole Foods founder. Um, I also really like that. He has a good framework as to what is it that what are the, how, how can you build relationships with the different stakeholders that are involved with the business? Um, and the third one, I have to say, I quite like Angela Duckworth's um, book as well. And this goes back into the mindset of the athlete grit. Yeah. And really having, having passion and the perseverance in order to accomplish your dreams. That's what I've seen a lot with uh, the entrepreneurs and the leaders I interviewed as well. You have to have um, these, these qualities in order that you can, you can create this impact, right? It's, you're, playing, you're playing the long game. You, you have, it, it's not like you're going to cure inequality in, in five years. You can't just think, all right, what is it? Uh, what am I going to deliver at the end of this quarter or end of this year or end of this five years? It's basically something that's more longer term and you have to build the right systems for that. Perfect. Well, this has been a real treat, Lynn. I really appreciate you for uh, coming on the show and uh, you know sharing your uh, pearls of wisdom. Uh, where can listeners support the um, uh, altruistic capitalists? Uh, can you uh, maybe provide a uh, place where they can find you and uh, we'll sign off from there. Cool. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, it's actually on Indiegogo at the moment, and I can send you the link where people can can find find me. But it's uh, if you look up the altruistic capitalist on Indiegogo, uh, the campaign, the pre-sales campaign, is on for another week uh, until Christmas. Um, yeah. So I look forward to having those conversations with with the readers. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this.
Thank you so much, Hamilton. 